Yo, yo. Welcome, welcome to another episode with Ignite the Spark Within Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Hernandez, and I am here to empower world-class leaders like yourself to create a life on your own terms. On these podcasts, we will be exploring the mysteries of self-mastery, shamanism, mysticism, conscious sexuality, and overcoming depression and anxiety. We'll be interviewing some of my very own tribe members from around the world and share some of our personal stories. We'll be discovering and implementing tools and strategies for living a more fulfilled life. So, join me on this journey of self-discovery and let's ignite that spark within together. A little bit about your host. I am a U.S. Navy veteran, served in the USS Ronald Reagan, was shaman apprentice, an international self-mastery coach, author, and conscious sexuality facilitator. Now, my mission is to support and empower world-class leaders like yourself, reminding you of the impact that you're meant to make in this lifetime. So if you want to learn more, if you bout that life, stay tuned for today's episode. Season 1, Episode 31, Ayahuasca Myths Debunked with Sam Believe on Authentic Retreat Centers. All right. Welcome, welcome to Ignite the Spark Within to another episode on our weekly episodes. And today, today we have another very incredible special guest. And he is incredible. He and is special because of the line of work that he's doing. And if you know anything about me and the work that I've been doing for the last couple of years, and it has to do with the spiritual world, right? And so this gentleman actually comes to us directly from his own healing center. So he has a healing center in Colombia named La Huayra Ayahuasca Retreat, right? And so this gentleman is originally from Latvia. Uh, he moved to Colombia seven years ago, actually, and in pursuit of creating his healing center. So if, if you guys know anything about me and what I've been talking about, you guys can already see that there's already similarities. So uh, he actually created his own healing center, and it's all inside of really expanding the work with ayahuasca that personally changed his life. Right. And so now he's really out there on a mission to spread the power and the magic that ayahuasca has to share with the world and really learning how to do it in a way that opens the door for a lot more people, making sure that he keeps the cost low so that it can be exposed to more people. Right. So I think that's really cool. So with no further delay, let me introduce to you, Mr. Sam Believe. What? <laughs> <laughs> Quite an introduction, uh, Sebastian. Thanks a lot. Yeah, guys, uh, thank you for, thank you, thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm, I'm excited to talk about the subject of ayahuasca. I recently realized I remind myself of those um, people wearing like simple looking suits, uh, knocking door to door and asking about, are you ready to let Jesus in your heart? And I'm kind of like, kind of like similar, but uh, only like offering ayahuasca. <laughs> so, but hopefully. It's a bit more powerful than uh, than 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 any book, and um, hopefully, uh, you know, people deserve to know more. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions on the subject, and uh, I, I love to shed the truth. Beautiful, dude. You're, you're, it's like instead of being a Jehovah Witness, you're an ayahuasca witness. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, going exactly. Stories and like sharing the message, and that's beautiful. And and I feel like right now in these chaotic times, there's a couple things to identify. One that 
there's that we need solutions, right? We need solutions to, to the things that people are going through right now. And two, while ayahuasca is or can be one of those solutions, as you mentioned, there's a lot of misconceptions about the medicine, about the rituals, about the ceremonies. So I'm actually really looking forward to speaking with you because uh, to my knowledge, you come from an, from a Jahe background. Not so much ayahuasca, right? Jahe being from a Colombian tradition, not the Peruvian tradition. Is that right? Yeah, so when you talk about Jahe and ayahuasca, it's kind of like talking about uh, McDonald's and uh, uh, what's the other burger place? Uh, Hasburger. It's like Burger King, yeah. Like it's uh, you can have like slightly different amount of pickles and, you know, but in the end it's still a burger, right? So if... Um, if you really talk about jahe and ayahuasca and what we talk with, what we work specifically with, like the, in a tradition of the Inga tribe, that's a tribe we work with, they call it ambiwaska. Ambiwaska. And, yeah. And it, it has many different names and ambiwaska is one of them, jahe and ayahuasca. And the recipes are different, but in the end, I do believe it's all still ayahuasca. So, I, and, and also interestingly, I think because it was popularized in Peru under the name ayahuasca, a lot of people when they first come to Colombia, they don't expect that they can get that healing here traditionally because, yeah, there's this jahe thing. But really, we had many, many people uh, I'm, at the retreat. We had more than 1,000 people as of now. And we have a lot of them that went to Peru previously. And what they say about the ayahuasca and jahe, that uh, that jahe or jahe ayahuasca or ambiwaska is, is a bit more stronger and it's quicker acting but it, it doesn't last that long so let's say with with the proven ayahuasca it's more mild but it, it, run, it runs for about six hours and with the colombian ayahuasca it's it's about four hours and it's a bit more intense and also they say that uh, some people say it's a more of a masculine spirit and ayahuasca is more of a feminine spirit but honestly in my own in my in my own experience i've seen you know, I've had many experiences myself and talked to people. I don't really believe that much in gender when it comes to plant spirits. I think it's kind of, you know, it's it's a it's an elderly wise spirit, but I, I wouldn't say it, it's necessarily feminine or masculine. Mm. What what do you think about that? Yeah, that's so. There's a lot to unpack with everything you said, and, and there's a lot, right? Because I think I agree with you, right? There is the ayahuasca component. Right. Um, but then I believe that also in the separation, more than just the name, I think it's it's more it's the rituals, it's the context, it's the relationship. Right. And so having drink in both areas, I can see the beauty of it. Right. And in while I'm in Peru, I, 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 I recognize ayahuasca as a grandmother spirit. Right. And so I relate to it mm -hmm. as the grandmother spirit and I relate to it as a feminine energy. And when I relate to the jahe. I relate to grandfather spirit and I relate and I know that it's the same energy, the same spirit, same drink, same medicine, but it's like I get to, in my own perspective, get to separate it. And even when I'm in Peru, if I'm drinking ayahuasca, I still invoke yahe, right? And if I'm in Colombia and I'm drinking yahe, I still invoke ayahuasca, right? And so for me, that's mm -hmm. my balance of being able to invoke the spirit of ayahuasca and then being able to ingrain both energies. Because let's not deny that feminine energy has an essence and masculine energy has an essence. And so when I can invoke a masculine essence, I'm going to ask for grandfather spirit, hey, teach me this or show me this in your way of doing it. 
And then when I speak to ayahuasca, it's like, oh, grandmother spirit, ooh, show me this and do it in this way, right? And so for me, it's allowed me to, to give it a gender out of my own creation, rather from it being a, this is the way it is. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not speaking like it's an absolute. I'm speaking in perspective and in my perspective and my experience, it's what's helped me navigate and communicate in such a way that I, I, I can understand. Right? What are your thoughts on that? No, I do believe that whatever tools you can use uh, to navigate that, you know, turbulent psychedelic space, uh, if that helps you, that if that works, that that's perfectly fine. You know, there there is technically a difference between Colombian Jaje ayahuasca or ambiwasca and um, and the Peruvian ayahuasca. So they both are made of a combination of two plants, as as minimum. One is the ayahuasca vine itself. Both contain it. Banisteria obsiscapi. Like my Instagram name, for example, is bcapi. Don't worry, bcapi. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, w- and then the other plant, which is a DMT shrub. So what the ayahuasca vine does itself, it makes DMT orally active. And then the DMT shrub in Peruvian ayahuasca is chacruna. And in Colombian ayahuasca, it's chagro or chagropanga. So yeah. both are the... So yeah. it's it's not it's not the ayahuasca vine that is different. It's the DMT source, and of course there's a couple other smaller molecules that maybe maybe that's the difference, and maybe that's what gives it a different feel when it comes to masculine or feminine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's um, what whatever whatever helps you navigate it. Yeah, if if that's if that's how you like to see it, I think that's totally cool as well. Yeah, because yeah. I have I've never had Peruvian ayahuasca, so maybe that's my blind spot. But I've definitely had experiences that were very gentle and feminine feeling, and also the ones that are very masculine feeling, like when you're when you're by the fire and you you, you know you stomp your feet in the ground, you like feeling that warrior energy. So it's very diverse for me. So for example, that that's a that's a key component right there that you just mentioned, right? In Colombia, there's a fire component, which gives it the masculine essence. In Peru, it's pitch black. We don't even have candles. Like no candles, no lights, no fire, right? It's just pitch black, full darkness in the middle of the jungle, like hearing all the jungle sounds, right? Versus Colombia, it's no, you have to have minimum at least a candle, which provides that fire, that flame. But really like the tradition is to have a fire going and you have the fire going the entire night. So that's a big, huge component as well that I feel, again, when, when we talk about the different names, it's like the traditions behind it, right? Which is mm-hmm. not to say that one is better than the other, because I, I believe that they both have their purpose. They both serve. And that's the beauty of the tradition of the culture that each component expands you or opens you up to like a pers- to, per- per- to specific mm, experience. That again, like when you're in pitch darkness, you're going to feel things because of just the component that you're in complete darkness. That alone mm-hmm. be terrifying, right? Fire, you at least have some level of light. Fire, you get to see all the other people and what they're doing. Darkness, you just hear people screaming and you hear people crying and you hear people laughing but you don't know what's happening, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it, they're different components. Again, not that one is better than the other. They're just different, right? 
Well, it's it's beautiful to have that variety, right? Because it goes beyond borders. For example, Inga tribe, the tradition with which we work, they're kind of in between Colombia and Ecuador. And if you look at Chipibos in Peru, they're closer to Ecuador border as well. So it's not like, you know, Peru, Colombia, Ecuador, indigenous people don't don't really understand that. But there's there's at least 10 different tribes all in that single small region, kind of in between uh, Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, and Brazil, where which have their own take on, on how to drink ayahuasca correctly. And regarding Ingo tradition and the fire, it's so it's so important for them that even we do have also day ceremonies occasionally. And even during the day, when you don't need the light or the heat of the fire, they still have the fire going because it's important because this is where, as a shaman works uh, with the with Lawaira, which is just happened to be the name of our retreat, and he's moving energies, he throws them into the direction of the fire as if to burn them. So it's it's unique. And, and I love the fact that there's diversity. And uh, maybe someday I should also venture out to Peru and try 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 the different tradition. It's 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 amazing. It's like you know, when you go traveling to Europe, it's beautiful that you can eat many different foods, you know, each of them will fill your belly and perform that function, but in a different way with a different taste. And that's the beauty of the diversity that we're sort of losing now in our world where everywhere you go, there's a, there's a McDonald's and, and Starbucks. Yeah, no, I, I'm a true believer of, of walking and learning from so from different teachers, right? Like I've been blessed that I've been able to learn from different teachers in the ayahuasca field and in different medicines. And so it's allowed me to see different perspectives and like understand like, wait, why do you do that? Oh, you do it for that reason? Oh, that's cool. Wait, why do they do it that way? Oh, you guys do it for that? Oh, right. And so it just starts to expand and it's just like, oh, wow. It's just everyone has their own ways of, of doing it, right? And, and it's, it just, it gives you permission. At least it, it, it allows me to explore beyond what I, what I'm told. This is how it's supposed to be. And so when somebody tells me this is how it's supposed to be, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. That's how you do it. But I've already have enough experience with different shamans that are effective and do it differently. So it gives me the permission to be like, not one way is the right way. Yes, but rather the context is what's going to help the person really unfold in that direction, right? It's how they relate to the medicine, their relationship to the medicine. And yeah, the relationship is what really, I believe that's the connection. That's the magic, right? Now, one of the things that you talked about or that you, that, that you wanted to talk about was the red flags. When we look at when, especially for uh, as, uh, as ayahuasca becomes more and more available and more and more open into the public, there's a lot of retreat centers that are popping up left and right and people that are claiming to be shamans and people that are all, all types. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned red flags. What are some red flags to look for when people are out in the world looking and searching for a healing center and somebody credible with ayahuasca? What do you want to share about that? Yeah, what I'm gonna, what I'm about to say might ruffle some feathers because a lot of people might disagree with that. But um, I think that number one importance in uh, when choosing an ayahuasca retreat center is they, the shaman that works there, or a taita as it's called in Colombia, he must grow, cook, and serve his own medicine. Meaning that all the ceremony that, that is attributed to each of those steps has to be performed by the same person 
because as it starts uh, moving hands, you know, you don't know what's in that ayahuasca, you don't know where it comes from. So everything from, from planting the seed to harvesting it and to, to cooking it has to be done with the same hands or at least with the same family because sometimes they, they, they help each other, you know, father, son, grandfather sort of, sort of direction. It's, it's the same energy, same tradition. Uh, another thing that might upset a lot of people is I do believe that the shamans, the people that actually give the medicine, I, I, I think they should be indigenous or somehow connected to the tradition because what's happening now is uh, there's a lot of people, you know, I've been working with Oscar for about four years now. I don't call myself shaman or give people medicine because I know just enough to understand how much I don't know. And the the real shaman is like a, um, it's like a neurosurgeon for your soul. You might not understand exactly what he's doing or why it is complex, but it takes at least 10 years of drinking ayahuasca. And I don't mean like once a year. Uh, they drink ayahuasca for three, four times a week for 10 to 12 years. And they really get to know how to move those energies and what it means and what is right and what is wrong. And the thing shamans can see is, is still surprises me sometimes like they know stuff we don't know they understand things we don't understand so i would say go with an indigenous shaman or if it's not indigenous it's it has to be somebody who's you know i've I've never met one but somebody who maybe for some reason grew up in the country where ayahuasca is part of it and and really learned from a young age because i have this uh theory which uh might be completely wrong but you know they they they've they've done this experiment. They put a a child, a completely healthy child, in a in a dark room for the first two three years of their life. When they get out of the room, they're unable to see never in their life. Like that part of the brain just doesn't develop. So I believe that the reason the indigenous people start so early with the medicines is because there's this other spiritual part of us that you know otherwise don't, doesn't get developed. Like you know whatever a shaman part of your brain. So I think that. A good, a good shaman is somebody who comes from a lineage where their dad was a shaman, their they, dad's dad was a shaman, and like they do here, they drink ayahuasca before they even have milk because what what the you know a shaman to be baby is brought like when the mother gets him, they first put some ayahuasca on the nipple and then 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 feed the baby. So before even tasting the milk, uh, that's this is how deep the tradition goes. So that would be one. Another one would be. Definitely look for a place that has a good uh, team of facilitators, meaning uh, at least one person for every three patients. So there's they have redundancy to to take care of everyone. And look for a place that focuses on integration. And it's not like you come over, they give you a cup, uh, you drink it, you leave, and that's it. Uh, they they have to guide you, teach you on how to navigate your psychedelic experience for the first time, and also how to bring it back into your life and uh, actually get some actionable, life-changing, um, you know, actions in your life. And, and not just uh, drink ayahuasca, feel better for a bit, and then wait for a few months when you feel bad again and then come back. So th those are the first that come to mind. Also, make sure the ayahuasca is pure. There's, there are places that would add um, different plants to make it more visual and more stronger. And then, unfortunately, some of those plants uh, uh, can make it deadly.
Uh, and this is where sometimes ayahuasca gets bad reputation because whenever you look into somebody's being hurt on ayahuasca, it's one of those things. Either a shaman is not a real shaman, either the ayahuasca is not a real ayahuasca, or the, the, the place was not physically safe, or they did not provide people with the proper preparation, or people didn't follow it, and, you know, mixing antidepressants, or mixing ayahuasca with uh, drugs like cocaine. Most of the bad stories happen then, and, you know, just because it involves ayahuasca, in the end, they blame it on ayahuasca, even though it was not the ayahuasca's fault. You know, I, I, you know what I want? I want to know about your story. How did you get in? How did you get started with ayahuasca? It's a it's a long one <laughs> because I was first drawn to ayahuasca out of curiosity and also mix of curiosity and pain. I guess I was looking for some healing and some change in my life. I, back then, I did not uh, really accept it myself. I was not yet ready to understand that something was wrong with me, but I think subconsciously I was drawn to it because I was looking for healing. Even back then, if you'd ask me, I'd say I was just curious, but I don't think that now as time has passed. But what led me to starting a retreat? So I started working with medicine for myself, for my own healing. Uh, what it did to me was uh, it lifted the pain, like I was really depressed and uh, directionless in life. So what it did was uh, it allowed me to feel better and start actually doing something to improve my life. What caused and that? And then... You don't mind sharing, like, what, what can you pinpoint what caused the depression, what caused the downfall? I think it was a lack of direction in my life. So here's what happened. I, I was originally a marine mechanical engineer. I was working offshore and gas. Then I quit the job, went traveling, ended up in Colombia. And I was I was well off, meaning I had some money saved. So I bought an apartment and I was renting it. And I was renting a couple of rooms in this uh, finca that I was living in. For those who don't know, finca in Colombia is like this little estate that I was renting and I had some passive income sources, so I was I was okay, but I was just okay, and I didn't know what to do with my free time. I was like living, you know, the dream, passive income. Uh, I was semi-retired, and I was miserable because I knew, I know my potential, I know my strength, and I was just, I had no idea what to do. I would go and I would take this course, and then I would take this course, and I was just lost and really sad, and and. It came to the point where I was like, something is really wrong with me. Like, I, I don't know. And this is when I, so I, by then I tried the ayahuasca. But when I started feeling that, I was like, oh, okay, this can help me. And I started really treating it as a medicine. I started going regularly to drink ayahuasca to to heal myself and to to find that direction in life. So three things, three or four things happened in around the same time. I, I was going to drink ayahuasca a lot. And I had to drive three hours every time to do it because where I'm here now, there were no ayahuasca retreats. So it started giving me that idea that how lovely it would be to find a retreat nearby or maybe start one. But it was not clear back then. Then a person uh, came to my life who wanted to rent my finca to, to, to run the ceremonies here, which for me was the biggest sign. Then this person... Then me going to jungle and having this whole vision about healing people with hands and it's a it's 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 a complicated one and uh, and then this person when when I came back from the jungle we started doing retreats together then him basically trying to screw me over meaning me spending a lot of money to organize everything and him not paying me not even well enough to cover for the wood that we burn during the ceremony that kind of thing 
So all of that together made me realize one day that I have an ayahuasca retreat because I've bought everything that I need and I met all the connections. And uh, it just started growing from then because I was, uh, we started with doing one ceremony a month and then one weekend a month, then one week and then two weeks and then now two and a half weeks every month. And it's, it's just, it just grew. Of course, there's a lot of work involved in it, but I can't really take all the credit and say, you know, one day I sat down and said, I'm going to start an ayahuasca retreat. It was maybe in the back of my head, but it, it kind of all came from the mix of the, all those things, which I, I, which I now think is a good thing because it was not necessarily a monetary thing at first. It started as a passion, as a desire to, you know, explore. And then eventually now I, I can't deny it. It became a business because we have 15 workers, kitchen ladies, uh, facilitators. Uh, this whole retreat center that we bought uh, four months ago, I have five people, construction crew, building cabins, and it's it's became very busy. But in the beginning, it was just a a, a guy who wanted to drink medicine from home. That's so, uh, dude, that's inspiring, bro. Like, I don't know if, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, like, that's my vision. Like, right now, that's my focus is to head back to Colombia, but actually to Santa Marta. Right. And it's to go inside to the close to the Sierra Nevada and start a healing center out there. Right. And so to hear you and how you started and how this whole like that's inspiring, brother. Like, really, like my hat's off to you, dude. Like, really, it's fucking dope. And we need more healing centers. Like one of the well, big- you, you, you know how universe you know how universe works, right? So maybe I, I seek you out to do a podcast because you know I, I want to do my Jehovah's Witness thing and spread the word. But maybe it was also to come here and talk to you about the 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 how it is to to start a retreat and like how it feels like and uh, also to to show you that it's possible. I, you know, in in a, in a bit more than two years, I went from not even having that idea to having a right now the 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 most well rated ayahuasca retreat in South America, I believe. That is amazing. So, That's amazing. You can do it as well. And, and that's, and that's, and again, that's where, that's where I was going with that. I was like, right now. So I keep getting this vision of like this, like, like zombies. Yeah. And it's like zombies and it's like all around the world, like they're hungry for healing because that's really what they're seeking is healing. And the more healing centers we have around the world, the more we're going to be able to actually make a difference for what's coming. Because I believe that what's coming is a big shift and we're going to need as many light workers, as many people as possible doing this work. You just got goosebumps. It's, it's <laughs> giving me goosebumps because uh, I've had, I had, I have my vision is of a wave of people mm-hmm. that are coming here to heal because they realize there is nothing else that helps them. And it's us basically building a, like a, retention wall to to be able to sustain that wave so i totally agree there there will never be enough healing retreats because here's the statistics 30 percent of people in u.s are depressed and only five only half percent of people in u.s have had ayahuasca that leaves us with 29.5 percent of all americans and that's probably widely underestimated because not everyone admits they're depressed so 
the wave is coming and the, the world needs healing. There's mental health crisis and I wish you all the best. If you if you want to start a retreat and heal people, I, I'm on your side, man. Yeah, man. So now, now I'm curious, are you ultimately wanting to become a shaman? So uh, I'll go back to my vision with the healing. And this is... Um, uh, for those who don't like woo-woo stuff, which I'm sure they're not they're not listening to your podcast, but it's it's right. still even even to this day, it's uncomfortable for me to speak about it because I come from a very non-spiritual background. So I'm still sort of stretching my limits of of my woo-woo lingo. But I had the vision where uh, ayahuasca showed me precisely how to heal people with my hands. And what it means is, putting my hands on people and taking energies from them or putting energies in them. And it's, it's very, it was really precise. I went to this place where I describe it as a, if you open a bonnet on a car, you see engine working. It's kind of like I lifted the bonnet of a universe and I could see how it works. And it showed me all of that. And, and not only that, it actually showed me how to use it. In the same ceremony, there was a person with a headache and he was asking for pills for headache and medicine guided me on how to take his headache away. And I kid you not, it worked. So it's not it's not a woo-woo thing. And since then, a couple times, uh, maybe once a year in the ceremony, I get a calling from the medicine to go and do perform some energy work. So it's not something I can do on demand but it does happen to me occasionally and whenever it happens some people it people really feel it and something really changes in them and it can be documented you know by a weight increase or relief in symptoms so it's not i'm not making it up and uh, the only reason I'm, I'm qualifying myself this way is like i know it's really hard to believe and understand but in that original vision of me healing people it was really clear and the medicine told me that eventually I'd have to learn to drink medicine for myself and give medicine to but one person only. So I'm never going to be a shaman and guide a group of people, and I never set out to do it. But hopefully by the time I'm maybe 60, I can develop enough where I can uh, perform that feat on my own. But it was it was really clear. It was a vision of me standing bare feet on the grass. It kind of explained me that I had to have connection with with the earth and having my hand on the person and the person was on something that looked like a massage table and I was uh, moving some energies and it comes to the point where even uh, sometimes in, in in my ayahuasca vision when I open my eyes I can I can see people and I can see their organs and it shows me which ones are healthy and which ones are not it's crazy man you wouldn't believe it but oh, believe right it. now I'm <laughs> Right now, I'm mostly just. Uh, I real when I when I came back with that vision, I thought like, what can I do to start doing that? And every title told me just drink more ayahuasca. And I was like, but meanwhile, what can I do? And then this this whole retreat thing happened. So I kind of think that uh, right now I'm healing people not with my hands, you know, indirectly with my fingers tapping on a phone and running a business. Uh, but uh, eventually I, I would like to come to the point where I can go deeper and actually learn how to do that. That's awesome. On demand. That's, that, that's, that's awesome, dude. And I love, and I love that because similar, like I, I do want to be a shaman, right? And I feel like that I am in walking this path. However, I do not call myself a shaman. <laughs> I call myself an apprentice, 
Yes, and I will continue to be an apprentice. And I will. And I say that I declare myself a shaman when I turn seventy-five years old. When I turn seventy-five, then I'll be like, all right, now I declare myself a shaman because I feel like I've gone through enough experience to be able to declare it. But till then, it's like, nope, I'm an apprentice, an apprentice, an apprentice. Yes, and it's like, and again, it's it's the medicine shows you the path. Like the medicine will guide you. The medicine will tell you when you're ready and when, nope, don't do it yet. Like, you know, like there's a feeling inside, you know, when you're ready and you know when you're not <laughs> right. And sometimes people go against that. Oh, I know I'm ready. And it's like, oh, really? Then ayahuasca shows you. It's like, no, you aren't <laughs> right. But I feel that that is, that's, that's the journey. That's walking the path, but always being in that student mindset, but similar to yeah. you, you had visions. Of And actually with this last vision, with this last wave was of not even touching people. It was of this wave of like zombies coming towards me, like super angry and mad and like wanting to like kill me and fight me. And I just stuck my hands out and just said, heal. And as they came closer to me, they transformed and just healed and kept walking behind me. And so as they got closer, I didn't need, nope, just my energy, just nope, heal. And they just transform, transform. And it's that, like, I've heard of, there's a, there's a gentleman I heard a story of, and I, I'm trying to remember what his name was, but I can't remember. And I'm like, but his story impacted me. I'm like, I don't know if it's the truth, but if that's possible, I want it. Right. And he was telling me how, uh, this gentleman had his energy, his Kundalini activation so strong, his magnetism so strong that he would come into a room just to arrive into a room and his energy would be felt by everybody that women would actually start to get wet orgasmically just by being in his presence because of the energy that he cultivated in his surrounding. Like that is like the type of energy of being able to heal through your own aura. Right. And that's that. And so I don't, we're actually doing a, a retreat in Santa Marta, a four day retreat uh, called uh, Encuentro Magico. And so we're actually bringing down a, a, a maestro from Mexico. Well, no, he's Venezuelan, but he's been living in Mexico and practicing in Mexico, uh, Priyananda. And this gentleman is a beast. Like he starts, you'll start moving your energy and you'll literally start like convulsing right in front of him. And you're like, what is going on? And he'll just be there with his drum or with his um, didgeridoo. And you're just feeling the energy sometimes he doesn't even have to touch you and you'll experience it and so there's going to be a lot of that happening uh on this next one it's going to be october 20th to the 23rd so those that are listening to the episode if you haven't checked it out yet go to the link on the description and uh see if that's the retreat for you now in regards to wanting to go to your healing center sam um la white ayahuasca retreat how can people get a hold of you how can people learn more about that like if they want to attend your retreat how do they do that uh, go to lawyra.com, which is L-A-W-A-Y-R-A.com, or Google Ayahuasca in Colombia, and that's Colombia with C-O-L-O, -O, not C-O-L-U. And we should be somewhere there on top, because our website still is Ayahuasca in Colombia, because when I first came here, and then I, I, I was curious about Ayahuasca, but I thought, like, I'd have to go to Peru to do it. When I learned that there was Ayahuasca in Colombia, I decided to call our original website that and it was a great idea because now everyone who googles ayahuasca in colombia ends that's up coming genius to us. Marketing. <laughs> that is genius that's that is 
uh, placement, proper placement in marketing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, dude, all right, I, so, I, I must say that I, I, I respect a lot your... Uh, when you said like yeah when you get old this is when you call yourself you call yourself a shaman i think that's that's the proper thing to do right just like giving it giving the medicine and giving the traditions uh proper respect because i'm not gonna call names but we had a person that came to our retreat and had ayahuasca here for the first time in their life a few months later that person went to peru went to some center or whatever they gave her a paper that she, uh, I gave out the gender, but still it's not enough information that, uh, that that person is a shaman now. And, um, and I think that's extremely dangerous. I don't like that. I don't approve that. Uh, if, you got a if, um, like a, like a, like a, yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. Like permission, permission to give the medicine. And I think it's, it's extremely reckless. Like, uh, People can be hurt seriously for life. Uh, so yeah. that's why when I talk about red flags, yeah, look for someone who has at least, at minimum, 10, 15 years experience. If 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 they, uh, yeah, can't stress that enough. Yeah, yeah. And well, and here's the thing, interestingly, so I got a vision when I first started, when I first started working with ayahuasca. I, I was like, all right, this is for me. But I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to serve this. Like, no, I'm not going to serve this. And I got a very clear vision. It's like, no, yeah, you're going to be serving after the fifth year. And I was like, yeah, no, not happening. Well, the fifth year arrived last year. Um, and actually on my fourth year was when I actually got the message to start drinking by myself. And so I got to actually mm -hmm. learn to drink by myself. And then that in itself was its own journey. And it's like little by little, I've been being guided now, similar to you. I don't, I don't feel ready to do a big group, right? But then again, I've been also been guided to serve specific medicines. And usually it's no bigger than a group of five, right? Like I was, I was actually hired to go to Haiti and do a ceremony out there. It wasn't ayahuasca, but it was still plant-based medicine. And it was, it was a ceremony, right? And so therefore it's, I, I do believe that there's a level of respect and responsibility that needs to be held. Um, and there's a lot of components to that. And it's not for the lighthearted and it's not like there is a real big responsibility. And so the only reason I feel somewhat comfortable in feeling confident to say, all right, I feel confident to at least take somebody, two people into the medicine is because of the amount of ceremonies that I've done, not just with the medicine maestro, but by myself. Like I've drank by myself now more than 40, 50 times by myself, right? No shaman where it's like, I have to be and I have to learn how to do it. And, and there's a big component to that, right? Also in learning about how to cook your own medicine. So right now I carry my own medicine. I cook my own medicine. I learned how to cook. And so now it's like, I don't want to have somebody else's medicine. No, I want to cook my own medicine. Why? Because I know what I put in it. I know what energy I put in it. I know what songs I sang to my ayahuasca. I know what vibration I put into it, right? And the intention behind it. And so there's, there's that component. So I truly do believe that when you're properly, when you really are guided by source, yes, source can, source can do so many different things. Right. But it's having an actual authentic connection to source and then the responsibility, the integrity, the 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 congruency 
right? Like that is so critical is congruency. You can't talk about preaching spirituality and then going around and doing the complete opposite, right? Like those are big things that for me are red flags, right? When I look at a shaman or a healer or somebody and they preach to be all beautiful and light and all this stuff, but yet they don't recognize their darkness and they hide their darkness. Ah, no, 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 right? That's a big red flag for me. If someone can't com- can't recognize their own darkness, you're not a shaman. You're not even close to it, right? Because there's that duality of recognizing, no, we have good and we have bad. We have both. And it's a process. It's a process. It's an infinite process, an infinite learning, right? That we just continue to go. So I, like we said, we can talk about this for hours. And so I do want to be uh, mindful of the time. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we close out? Uh, not much guys. Just if you, if you're maybe not feeling your best and, uh, you want some help, definitely explore the subject of ayahuasca. If you do it somewhere else, that's fine. As, as we talked about, you know, observe the red flags. Uh, if you come to Loira, love to have you over. And, uh, same goes to you, Sebastian. Do, do drop by. Maybe we'll do a, an episode, uh, in presence someday. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. I'm down for that. Dude, Sam, thank you so much, man. Thank you for numerous things, for being who you are, because I know that it took you to be who you are to be able to do the things that you've done and continue to do, right? So thank you for that. Thank you for the stand that you have for all the people that have went through your healing center, that thanks to you taking the commitment to doing that, people's lives are being changed and transformed. Right. So thank you for that, man. Thank you for really putting yourself out there and being at risk, right? Being at risk of being ridiculed, of being judged, of being critiqued, of being mocked, of being all of this stuff. And yet you continue to put yourself out there, dude. So thank you for the work that you're doing, man, for walking this path, for giving it its reverence, for really giving it its respect as a tradition. Like, dude, that that's extremely important. And, and I applaud you for that. So thank you, dude. Thank you for thanking me. I appreciate that. And thank you for uh, <laughs> for being the voice. You know, you're, you're the voice in the space and one person at a time, you know, fixing the world one cup at a time. And uh, not just ayahuasca alone, you know, ayahuasca is a, is a gate to this other worldview. And then everything else you do, be it meditation or yoga, it will it will hit different after after that, after establishing that connection. So, yes, yeah, Sebastian, thank you for having me on and thank you for talking about those um, uncomfortable subjects for some. Yeah, dude, absolutely, man. Thank you, dude. Thank you. Now, for everyone that's listening, again, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Ignite the Spark Within. Um, you guys know where to find us. Every Wednesday, we got a new episode. So that's my commitment. And we've been following through since March 1st this year. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this show. And I hope to see you next week. Much love, you guys. Boom!